This is Influencer Insider, an inside look on your favorite creatives, creators, and entrepreneurs. We explore their minds so you can get to know your favorite people better. Continue to listen for the inside scoop on your favorite creators' lives. Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Influencer Insider. Today, we have the four-legged man, is what I'll call him, Nathaniel Nolan. What's up, my man? Let everybody know a little bit about you. Um... My name is Nathaniel. I'm a, I'm a coach. I'm a movement coach and trainer. Um, I, you know, just started TikTok like the middle of this year. So I haven't been doing it for very long, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess, uh, I guess that's, that's pretty much it. There's a lot more about me, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty new to all of this. So I don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of a track record to, to go back over. Heck yeah. Well, you're doing a heck of a job on TikTok. I literally, my, my buddy, Brennan, that I was telling you, I work out with he, the other day, two days ago, he was like, Hey, have you seen that guy on TikTok that, that walks on all fours? And I was like, you're joking. Right. And he was like, no. And I was like, I'm literally interviewing him on Wednesday. That's crazy. So you're getting seen by some people, which is awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel like my content puts my face out there enough to where like I could ever be recognized while I'm out unless I'm doing the thing. Cause then they're like, Oh, there's all fours guy. But I do <laughs> reaching out to me like, Hey, I was talking to a friend, basically like you were just saying with your buddy that are like, you know, check this out. I'm starting this all fours challenge. And then they'll yeah. convey, Oh, that's actually my trainer or that's my friend. And uh, so it's kind of cool to see like people in different States and stuff kind of um recognizing what i'm doing it's, it's pretty surreal experience heck yeah heck yeah so i i think what you're best known for is walking on all fours but you said you said you own your own business you want to talk a little bit about that yeah so um i'm a movement coach that's actually what inspired that challenge is um so i teach basically pretty much anything in the movement realm as long as it's in like the catalog of things that I uh, can perform and understand well enough to be able to like convey that information. So I teach, you know, advanced calisthenics, handstands, um, uh, human flag, pistol squats, things like that. So breaking down those movements, letting people understand the, you know, the, the gradation that goes into, uh, you know, getting from where they are to where they you know, want to be. Um, and then, you know, everything else that's in the movement realm too. So it doesn't have to be extraordinarily advanced stuff. And then I also, um, work in studios too. So I do like, you know, just regular studio work, uh, teaching classes as well. But, uh, what I really enjoy doing is, is that, that component of breaking down the, the movements and, and analyzing them and then, um, you know, making it into bite-sized pieces so that pe- people can master those and then put them back together into what they end up seeing influencers doing on, you know, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and stuff. Heck yeah. So what type of clients do you usually have? Literally like all walks of life, all ages. Really? Yeah. It doesn't, it does not matter. I mean, I work with, you know, kids, I work with people that are in their seventies. And honestly, I think that training is one of those things that you can pick up anytime. You can start at any time. You're never too young or too old. Um, it's just about changing your expectations about what training should look like and, and, and what your results should be depending on who you are. But, um, yeah, I work with literally any type of person and and my clientele is a pretty broad spectrum of, of people. Yeah. That sounds super fun. So are you just working with these people to like regain movement or teach new movements? Like do people come to you? 
Yeah. So no, it's, it's both of those things. Um, honestly, like what I usually tell people is that, you know, when we're kids, we were usually excellent movers. Um, yeah. we're really at it. We, we don't uh, judge ourselves very much. We're really intuitive. Uh, we don't have a lot of expectations about how movement should go. And so we tend to just move around. We uh, uh, intuit our way through it. And in the process, we're like learning, we're experimenting, but we're also not holding ourselves back. Um, and then throughout uh, our adolescence and then our adult lives, we end up picking up these specific patterns based on how we have to live our life. So like sitting down in a chair for eight hours a day, cause you have to go to school and you know, or you have a desk job. And so you kind of, your body adapts to whatever it is that you're doing. And so our bodies adapt to this sort of chair lifestyle or this sofa lifestyle or sitting in a car. And so your body is getting really good at doing those things. And then uh, people want to go and do the stuff that they see me doing, or they see other influencers doing, and their body is not adapted to that. They haven't done it either in a long time or ever. And so it's basically like trying to get people closer to uh, what they want to be. But I, first you have to realize like everything that you're doing is training. So yeah. everything that you do throughout the day, that's, that's all training. You're just, you're training for something you may not want, which is to be really good at like sitting in a chair. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, when you said that, like when we're children, we're really good movers. It made me instantly think of two things. One is how, like when I was younger, I used to like climb up the stairs on my hands and feet as well. So mm -hmm. it's like, I, I knew that I was capable of using my hands, but if I tried to do that now, I'd probably just face plant. And then, and you see that a lot in like kids tumbling and stuff, um, where when you're a kid, you can walk on a balance beam and, you know, you can, you can do somersaults and then I'll ask people to do that when they're in their twenties, thirties, forties. And it seems like simple stuff, but it's extraordinarily intimidating to them. It's like scary. Yeah. They're not only afraid of injury, but they're afraid of looking stupid. So when you're a kid and you're like up on that balance beam, then, you know, if you fall off, no big deal, you know, you get right back up. Plus, you know, you're a lot shorter, you're a lot lighter. So the consequences are lower as you yeah. get older not only are the physical consequences a little bit higher, you know, falling off might be a little bit different at 200 pounds than it is at 40 pounds. Um, but also we have this sort of ego component that we have to get over where adults were, were conditioned to want to succeed at everything, but also even more than that, to look like we're succeeding at things. And so people have a lot of time, uh, difficulty letting go of that and, and allowing themselves to, you know, regress back to that, that childlike mentality where it's okay to fail. It's okay to play. Um, so it's getting over both of those barriers where, you know, you're afraid to look stupid and you're also afraid to get hurt. And, and once you're comfortable with that, then you can go back to being like a kid and you're like, okay, yeah, I used to do this all the time. Yeah. There's no reason. Definitely. No, people really dislike looking stupid. Everybody's got an ego. Um, but so exactly. about this content that you're creating, what made you get started on TikTok? Or were you thinking to grow the business on TikTok or? I was, I was thinking about it. I mean, obviously like we're living in a time now where people can create their own reach. People can market for themselves. It's a lot different than how it used to be where, you know, you buy ad space. I mean, you can still do that, but now you can, you can do that for yourself. Like you can have a little following and, and what I really just wanted was an audience of people that I could um, reach out to help uh, to educate a little bit. And, and more than anything, just to like show how my practice works. So the way that my um, social media used to be was a lot of like tutorial and instructional stuff. And then, um, when I started this TikTok, 
uh, I was kind of still keeping up with that. But through this series, I was able to kind of switch over to now I'm just kind of giving you a little vignette of my life every single day. I'm just going to give you this little, this little window of what I'm doing and you can intuit what you want from that. You can take what you want from that instead of it being this, this super direct coaching, because I honestly feel like people gain more from that a lot of the time than they do from somebody telling them specifically what to do. I feel like there's a time and place for that, but um, it also is just a lot more fun for me to create this type of content because I'm not talking directly to a specific person. I'm talking to, you know, this big, this wide audience um, and I can just be myself. Yeah, no, definitely. And I feel as though um, because you're not telling people what to do, they want to emulate you. Like my buddy, Brendan, he's like, oh, if he can do that, I want to try to do that. He, his forearms are freaking jacked. I want mine to look like that. And right. so it, it's a good way to instruct others without even really trying to. That's true. And that's how people work a lot of the time is that people are much better at doing what they see than they are at doing what they're told. So, you know, I can talk to my clients until I'm blue in the face, but I have to demonstrate that for them. I have to show, lead by example and show them not only how to do it, but what the results are, like basically the whole process. Otherwise, it's going to go in one ear out of the other. So I've actually had an easier time conveying uh, maxims and, and um, principles and my philosophies and stuff through this format than I have ever before through this uh, tutorial format of like creating these like mini lessons for people. Um, people, like I said, just they don't want to sit down and listen to you and then and then go do what you say. They want to see what you're doing and then you know, go out and try it themselves. Heck yeah. So riddle, riddle me this. I'm curious now how, uh, growing up, did you know that you wanted to become a movement coach or what, what was your life like before now? When I, was, when I was a kid, I didn't know what a movement coach was uh -huh. actually. I, uh, I don't know if that was a job. I mean, there were, there were coaches that were, you know, teaching movement, but, uh, this sort of broad spectrum general movement coach wasn't a, as much of a profession if, if at all. So, um, no, I didn't want to, what I wanted to be growing up was Goku. Um, okay. yeah, you know, I wanted to be a superhero. I wanted to, you know, be, you know, like an X-Man. So, um, I think that that's where it starts for a lot of people is it starts with this imagination of the possibilities, uh, of what you can accomplish and, and how your life can feel and what it can be if you had access to all of these things. And so I grew up in a really small town. Um, you know, I didn't have any neighbors. We were surrounded by cornfields. So when I was a kid, I would spend a lot of my time moving around and, uh, you know, beating up the pillows and, and, you know, just trying to work through learning calisthenics and stuff like that. But this is like pre YouTube, pre everything. So yeah. it was a lot different back then, but yeah, I've, I've always wanted to work, um, or at least my life to be sort of, um, centered around uh piloting my body and, and movement but i just i would have had no idea that it would have been this direct of a path whenever i was a kid Heck yeah oh that's awesome it seems as though you're living the dream i um i made a video yesterday that said i said how big would you dream if you knew that you could not fail because everybody has like huge aspirations so maybe one day you will become a superhero <laughs> yeah maybe who knows i mean um, I, I don't know if that's something that I would want to do anymore, but, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe some of the trappings of that, you know, I'd like some super strength or some super speed or something. There you go. That'd be nice to, nice to run into. So this, uh, this walk on all fours challenge, what exactly made you start it? Did you wake up one day and decided you wanted to walk around like a monkey? 
I mean, more or less. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I tried a couple series on TikTok and they hadn't got as much reception as I kind of was hoping. And um, so I was like, you know what, like, I'm just going to stop trying to do what I think will work. And I'm just going to do something that I think is unique and that I'm interested in. And then I'll just see what happens. And that's basically how this came about. So um, I suffered from chronic wrist pain for years, like since I was a teenager. So a lot of people are like, oh, maybe you ruined your wrist doing this. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. It was, it was the exact opposite. And um, so like through sports, uh, I wrestled in school and, um, you know, different, just not taking care of myself, not stretching enough. I, I developed a lot of chronic wrist pain. And the other thing is that I kind of move obsessively. So like I, I move around a lot, even back before I was training, and so I, I felt like I just, I constantly had tendonitis or tendinopathy, just sore wrists all the time. And I was like, I need to get, uh, a lot more high volume work and, but it's not, it's not sexy. Like it's not fun, awesome, uh, training. In fact, before I was doing it, like not, I don't really see anybody else doing anything like this. So, um, I was like, I'm just going to post this thing when, whether or not it's, um, you know, a cool or interesting looking workout, it's still just like what I need to do. And then, um, I guess it just kind of, it evolved from there. And so it started off with mostly me rehabilitating my wrists and building up some conditioning and strength in my shoulders, backing off from the stuff that I thought would sell on the social media platforms, like, uh, like doing the most advanced stuff that I can do. And I was just kind of just documenting the process of going back and, and rebuilding from the start. Heck yeah. That's awesome. So day one, walk me through, are we on 80 day, 80 something? 89. So this is 89. the, this is, yeah, this is uh, the last episode before season four or okay. maybe the episode. So um, I'm doing it in like 30 day seasons. So okay. Um, okay. That's, uh, that's another thing that I always like wanted as a kid was I, I wanted my own show, uh, yeah. just my own platform to just, you know, just do whatever I want. I mean, grew up, grew up, we grew up, or I grew up in like Nickelodeon era where there was like all that and yeah. all the, like a voice and a platform. I thought that was really cool and interesting. So, um, and then obviously growing up, like watching anime and, and all of these, uh, really episodic shows, I, uh, wanted to format my channel like that. So instead of it being this uh, this like collection of things that I do. It's like, this is the show you can tune in every day. You can see what Nathaniel's doing, you know what to expect. And, um, that's awesome. So, so day one, walk me through all 89 of these days. Give me some milestones day, day one, were you hurting? Could you do much? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I, like I said, I've been moving around my whole life. Um, and I was a trainer and a coach before I started this challenge. So, you know, the one minute bear crawl wasn't too bad. And I had done some, you know, test runs the week before where I was just trying to spend a little bit more time on my hands, see how challenging it was. I wanted to analyze it and see if adding a minute a day was going to be realistic, if I was going to be able to keep up with that. And I really wasn't even sure going into it, but um, day one wasn't too bad. I mean, it was literally, it's a minute of bear crawl. I've had lots of people try to replicate it since then. And they'll say it's challenging, but I, I haven't had anybody that I think uh, has reached out to me saying they can't perform a minute. So it was manageable. And then um, that first week, 
was was not that bad, honestly. If you go through and you watch the videos again, you can see that I'm checking in. I was doing like a, a talking head at the beginning and end of each video back mm -hmm. then. And um, it didn't really start to get hard in that first week physically. For me, it was more just keeping up consistently with not only performing it, but also with the recording, creating those talking heads, you know, editing and posting it and everything like that. So it was more of getting used to that process than the actual movement portion, which is a little bit more in my wheelhouse. Heck yeah. And then second week, third week, were you making yeah. transfers? What was happening? So I remember the second week, uh, that's whenever it started to get sort of uh, physically exhausting. So I wasn't getting like super sore because these are still low intensity movements like throughout, like the whole first season, I think it was day 17 that I finally started to add in like a little bit of handstand work. But up until then, I mean, I'm literally just bear crawling around. I'm just walking. I'm not trying anything else. So I wasn't getting sore um, because my body was already mostly conditioned to there. Um, but I, if you watch those talking heads, you watch those uh, sort of recaps at the end of each episode, uh, you can see like I'm sweating and it was uh, kind of mid to late summer. So I'm doing some of the stuff outside. Uh, so week two was starting to get a lot harder just from that uh, conditioning and, and uh, cardio component. So I was, I was starting to like really feel it there. So I was like, oh, this is like a replacement for running and jogging now. Um, oh, yeah. And and then week three, that's, you know, up to day 21. So like, that's where I kind of started to evolve the, the whole series a little bit. I started to add in my uh, like foam plyo boxes. I started kind of crawling around on those. I did have a blister uh, uh, tear open. I think it was, I can't remember the exact day, but it got pretty bad. It got infected. And so I had to yeah, it was, it was gross. That was from walking around on the cement, which that's why a lot of my videos, you see me inside now when I do yeah. go outside, I try to be pretty careful because I wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a, a bad cut or anything, but it was just, you know, it's germy out there. So, yeah. uh, rest a little bit. And then whenever I came back in the house and added the mats and stuff, that's whenever I realized that putting the obstacles down, elevating my feet made the training so much more engaging, so much more interesting. And I think that was kind of a turning point the entire series where it's like oh this isn't just bear crawl anymore this is training on all fours and i'm modulating the intensity depending on what i need for that day what i'm capable of that day and also what my current goals are so it started to kind of take shape uh in that third week i think heck yeah and then moving from there i saw recently you were trying to get into break dancing with your movements yeah so i've always admired break dancers i mean um, I do jujitsu. So watching people like the uh, Gio Martinez and, and Boogeyman um, who are jujitsu competitors, they're professional break dancers as well. And um, just seeing that transfer of athleticism, it's, it's almost superhuman. I mean, and I still watch uh, people break dancing and think, wow, like this is so far removed from what I'm capable of or anybody I know is capable of. It does to me seem superhuman. And that really like appealed to that, that, um, uh, part of me from back whenever I was a kid that I you know, wanted to have that, that freedom of movement and that, that capability. Heck yeah. Um, and then now I said, man, I just want to say you're looking ripped, dude. You're <laughs> looking so ripped. Like you're for, it makes me want to start doing it. And part of me thinks that I probably will after this conversation, because from what it sounds like, do you feel as though anybody's capable of doing this challenge and getting good results? Yeah. 
Um, I think that anybody is capable of starting a similar practice of their own. And I think that's kind of the main takeaway I'm trying to present here is that anybody can start a movement practice. And if you want to move better, you like, you need to start it as soon as possible. Stay consistent with it. But, um, the other thing that I've been trying to convey to people almost, um, in equal parts is that you need to go at your own pace and that replicating my journey won't replicate my results. Yeah. That's how it is for all training. Like, you know, you can't, I don't think you can take a super structured program from an athlete or from a, an actor or an influencer, apply it to your life and, and, and hope to get the exact same results that they had because you're not the same person. You don't have the same history. You don't have the same genetics. You don't have the same lifestyle. Um, and so there's so many additional factors there besides the programming. And so a lot of people ask me, like, you know, do I just add a minute a day? Is that it? And it's like, not really. Um, That's how it works. I added a minute a day, but I've also been training for, you know, 10 years uh, in in this. Yeah. In this, well, in this movement realm where I'm like um, really focusing on, on the form, on the, the physics and the body mechanics behind it and really kind of analyzing that. And so um, whenever I do an extra minute a day, I'm taking into consideration that I might need to modulate the intensity that day. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to go through and do the exact same things. I'm not going to do it in the exact same, uh, difficulty levels and the exact same intensities, because, uh, I feel like that's kind of like driving with your eyes closed. Um, and so you've got to keep your finger on the pulse. You've got to, uh, stay super present while you're training, or you're not going to get those results because you're either going to not apply the right amount of intensity to force an adaptation to happen, or much worse, you're going to end up getting injured. And both of those things are just going to keep you from making any progress. So you, you have to make it your own. Um, I think that the, the main thing is just that to show people that if you stay consistent and you're applying these, these sort of hidden philosophies that I try to convey through my voiceovers, uh, that you can see results and those results are going to vary, um, because I can't go into each person's mind and and give them the same level of focus and attention that I'm giving, uh, my training. And I don't, I I can't speak to each person on a one-on-one basis. So I offer my, my one-on-one coaching and that helps a lot, but there's, this is such a personal experience as well. Um, and that that's really what dictates the results. Heck yeah. And so your one-to-one coaching, I have two things to say. One-to-one coaching, do you just do it in person or do you do Zoom call coaching? So before quarantine, so before the shutdown happened, Uh I was mostly in-person training, local, uh, and I wasn't doing much online stuff. And then I actually wasn't even sure like how that would work because I'm a very uh, like walk you through it, hold your hand, spoon feeding type of coach. And I do that specifically so that you uh, have an environment to where you can, you can grow and feel safe. And like I said, go back to that childlike mentality where you aren't judging yourself um, on looking stupid or fearing that you're doing something wrong or going to get hurt. And in the process, people actually end up gaining more autonomy. So they're able to take their own training into their own hands um, later on better because i you know hold their hand through that process heck yeah that makes sense second thing i wanted to say i thought it was interesting that you uh felt as though 
people aren't going to get the same results from doing the exact same thing that you're doing. Um, I talked to this guy named Bill Maida. He makes content on TikTok. And actually, I saw your guys' interview, or at least a portion of it, uh-huh. like early. Um, yeah, he he uh, says a lot of the same uh, things that I feel, which is uh-huh. uh, focusing on that mind muscle connection, focusing on just being present in your training, and then allowing your training to adapt to what your actual goals are, as opposed to forcing a program on yourself and expecting your body to adapt and mold yeah. around that. Heck yeah. No, he shares a lot of the same thing. And especially with, uh, getting the same results. He, uh, we talked about his diet and how people are thinking that he has some special diet, but he told me that day he went to some restaurant and got like two huge bowls of rice and like all this like non-healthy food. And it, it's, it's very comical because nobody's going to have the same results doing the exact same thing because our chemical makeup are, are different. Our metabolisms are different. Everything is different. Exactly. And it can be a little tricky because like you see people like Bill and he's shredded. Yeah. And so you're like, I just want to, I just want to just do every, I want to walk in his footsteps so that way I can become him, or at least I can become the version of me that looks like him. And that's just, that's just not how it works, unfortunately. And so it is important to look for people that get results. Like you don't want to go somewhere and learn from somebody that doesn't practice what they preach. And because there's, there's so many people out there that may even be saying the right things, but if they haven't walked that walk before, then I don't think that they're going to have all those little nuanced details that are going to make those cogs fit into place to where it actually ends up working for you. Um, so you do want to look for people that are having success with their training in the same way. But like you were saying, you know, you can't, you can't follow it step by step, but it's just not going to work that way. And, and some people have to keep a super strict diet. Some people don't like everybody is just different genetically as well. Like personally, I um, struggle more with putting on weight than losing weight, but my weight tends to kind of stay exactly the same no matter what. So I focus more on intuitive eating and just eating when I'm hungry and not eating when I'm not hungry. So I don't like stuff myself. Um, and that, but for some people that might not work. I mean, um, so, you know, you've got to, you've got to take that into consideration. And that's what I mean by keeping your finger on the pulse and staying present is, uh, making sure that you're taking yourself into consideration first, because nobody can look at it through your perspective except for you. Heck yeah, my man. Heck yeah. And I get the exact opposite with me. I struggle with keeping off weight and losing weight. And so, man, I've tried so many different diets and so, so much, but I'm still figuring it out. I'm keeping my hand on the pulse. There you go. Shoot. So now what are the overarching goals for this challenge that you're doing? Are you going to continue to do it for a year for however long? this point, it's like, why would I stop? Um, that's how I feel anyways. Like I started this as a 30 day challenge. I wanted to see how it would go. So it was the first 30 days was like an experiment. It was, it was me figuring out what, uh, what adding a minute a day would feel like. And then I got to day 30 and I was like, Oh my God, like my wrists feel so much better. My shoulders feel so much better conditioned. I feel a lot stronger and I've unlocked movements that I couldn't do before, even though I've been attempting them for years. Cause when I started the 30 day challenge, I stopped almost all my other training. Like I stopped doing all, everything entirely. Cause I wanted to see the contrast. I wanted to see if I was going to lose progress too. That was an important metric for okay. me. 
And so I basically stopped everything. And also I didn't want to overtrain. So I, I was taking into consideration that I was going to be doing significantly more volume. Um, so I didn't want to overtrain. And so I basically stopped everything. And then when I got to the end of it, I realized I had actually gotten stronger. So I did that 30 day, the, the day 30 update and I had improved PRs across the board. Um, like my body comp was better. I felt better. My like joints felt better. And so days 30 through 60, um, or 31 through 60, I was, um, trying to apply it to a normal training program instead of this kind of experimental nature. So I don't, I don't see myself stopping it now just because, um, every single day I feel better than the day before. Hey, that's awesome. I feel as though there's no better feeling than like healthiness. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. I mean, you can be super strong, but like, imagine trying to do a push up when your wrist hurts. If you've ever experienced that, I have so many people reaching out to me like that. And it's like, okay, well, your, your delts, your triceps might be massively powerful. You know, you might've isolated those to the point where they're really good at their job. They're really good at elbow extension. If it's a tricep or they're really good at, you know, shoulder adduction, if it's, if it's your delt and, um, you go to do a push up and you feel that, that stabbing twinge of pain right here in your wrist the whole movement shuts down. Right. Yeah. And you feel, feel like a child. Like I feel there've been times where I've had wrist pain and I go to pick up a pen and it like hurts so bad. I can't. And so you're right. Like I would take moderate strength and like joint health and being pain-free, um, over being like massively strong in uh, specialized areas, but not being able to use them because there's a weakest point in the chain that prevents that. So I think good is an important part of being strong as well. I think that strength is more than just, um, what a single muscle or even a single muscle group can output. It's, it's so much more than that. And now, now riddle me this, when you were younger, were you really focused on like being super strong and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I think a lot of my identity was kind of tied up in, in wanting to be like these people I was seeing on TV, even in these fictional characters like Goku and, uh, so I, I wanted to be really strong. I wanted to be really capable. And I was also, you know, pretty small kid. So um, it gave me a chance to, to sort of even the playing field, because like, even though uh, sports like wrestling and jujitsu have weight classes, whenever we would do practices, you know, I was still kind of low man on the totem pole because I was still like the lowest weight class all through uh, mm-hmm. school. So, it gave me an opportunity to work on what I could work on. I couldn't make myself gain weight and get bigger. Um, I just hadn't reached that point in my uh, development yet. And so um, it gave me a chance to, uh, to be able to compete with these guys and to be able to kind of hold my own. Heck yeah. And no, I would just do, I mean, I would do just like what I, what I could. So I, I didn't know much about movement or I didn't know much about training or about progressive overload or anything. So I was just like training, like I saw cartoon character training. Like I was just pick, trying to pick up heavy things and do a yeah. push. I was just trying everything. No, I get that. And I, I, I feel the same way when I was like uh, in high school, I always felt as though I wanted like to be really strong and be able to bench however many hundreds of pounds. But now when I work out, I like really just try to focus on like muscle groups and I'll go lighter weights and just I want to feel healthy. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm really strong. I just want to feel healthy. 
I think as you age, you realize how much more important that is. And when you're a kid, you don't generally experience a lack of uh, functional ability from pain. Like, I mean, I'm sure there are kids out there that, you know, have joint pain, but for the uh, most part, you know, you're pretty pliable when you're a kid, you don't have much damage in your body. Uh, and so you don't really think about that. Like whenever I was a kid, I used to think that if I just trained harder all the time, I would eventually becoming like super, super strong person. But then you realize when you get your first real injury, that's not how it works. And yeah. you, would give, you would give anything to take back what you did to hurt yourself. And uh, so, yeah, I think that, I think that that mindset changes a whole lot as you, as you age and, and it gets a lot, uh, clearer, becomes a lot clearer that you, uh, need to prioritize feeling good over, over, uh, training in the ways that you think will make you strong if you want to actually perform well. Heck yeah, definitely. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about this shirt that you're wearing. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. So, Did you recently I, come out with a merchandise? Yeah, I've got, I've got, uh, an Etsy, uh, I'm trying to figure all that out. I'm not super tech savvy, so like I fumble through it. But uh, I do have a little bit of background with graphic design, so um, I made this up. So this is basically showing my progression through handstands. So starting in the all fours position, and then kind of go working from your crow to a bent arm press into a handstand, and um, that just shows my uh, my philosophy and my modality for working to, towards inversions, which is starting from the ground up and building foundational strength, as opposed to focusing on all the technical components, which sounds weird for a movement coach to be like, don't focus so much on like all of these technical things. Instead, just focus on getting super strong. That sounds a little backwards, but that's generally how it works for me and my clients is you start with building. And the reason it works that way is because we're focusing on getting really strong in the areas that people would never consider training in the first place. So it's not about making, you know, your biceps and your triceps super strong. That is a side effect of the training that results after you, you know, you've made your fingers really strong. And after you've made your forearms really strong, because like I was saying earlier, you can only be as strong as the weakest muscle in the chain um, or the weakest area in the chain. So you can have super strong shoulders, you can have super strong triceps, but if your wrists can't support your weight, you're not doing a handstand. Totally. And if you're strong enough to be able to control that handstand, then, you know, then you have to be extraordinarily balanced to find that. And I feel like that's kind of limiting. I felt like that's, that's a, that's a little bit of a, um, a boundary I'm not willing to, to live in is I'm going to be straight up and down in my handstand where it's the absolute lightest. I, d- I didn't want to do that. I want to, I want to have, be able to do what Goku does. And I want to be able to walk around on my hands and do handstand pushups and, and change positions. And I feel like when you start from the bottom, it might be a little slower, but it, um, it builds up that foundational strength that by the time you make it to your handstand, you're coming into it with so much more proficiency. Uh, I won't say like mastery, but, but you're on much closer to that than you are if you were to just focus on just working on your handstand from the top. So this, this, uh, graphic, and I have it on a couple pieces of my merch, uh, is really just a way of, of identifying with, with starting from the very bottom and then working your way up. Heck yeah. And I was, I love what you were just talking about. Starting from the bottom, working your way up because I feel as though, and I'm guilty of this. Uh, jumping right into things, thinking that I'm going to be an expert right from the get-go. So I, I'd be like, I'll go do a handstand right now, whatever. But the smarter thing to do is work towards it, work towards it, work towards it. And eventually, 
it'll be natural. And, and I did, I honestly did that same. I was first starting off with calisthenics. I was like probably 23, 24 when I started trying to work on handstands and stuff. And so I did what you were just saying. I was like, I'm going to see this. I'm going to try to reverse engineer it. And by this point, you know, there's all sorts of YouTube tutorials. So I'm trying to take in as much information as I can about how this thing works. But, um, I'm also trying to figure it out on my own just by watching. And so I'm starting from the top. I'm like, I'm going to put myself in a handstand. I'm going to just hang out there. I'm going to force myself to do this. If I'm sore, uh, I'm going to train anyways. And, and then I ended up with a lot of injuries. I ended up uh, with a lot of setbacks. And then over the next couple of years, even though I did make some progress on my handstands, I also uh, sort of took a divergent path where I was then only able to train maybe once or twice a week because I had to put so many recovery days in there. So I was definitely not doing it right at that point and something had to change. Yeah, that's tough. So I was, I was stalking you earlier. I think it was yesterday is when I was stalking you and I was yeah. looking at the merchandise. So the, the, is it the brand that you're creating? Is it, is it XP movement from what I remember? So yeah, uh, XP movement is sort of my, it's my movement brand. So that's like my training, um, XP okay. XP is actually XP LLC is the name of my company. So it's, it's most um, about trying to get people to wrap their heads around gamifying the process. That's what I'm really into is not just in the movement realm, but all things learning um, is about making it fun, interesting and a game because um, because the way that our brains absorb information is about connecting it to something else that we already know. Um, but also about it being novel and interesting to us. And one of the ways to uh, consistently keep something novel is to make it a challenge. And so I, I really enjoy the process of taking something that's kind of mundane or boring and then gamifying it so that you can have a really good time doing something that's beneficial to you or if, you know, more aligned with your goals. Um, yeah. So uh, all, all things in, in you know, the realm of learning, um, you know, you can gamify and I'm, uh, I'm not like a big console gamer, but I used to play things like RuneScape and, um, you know, all those old JRPGs like Final Fantasy and stuff. And it's all about grinding. Like, you know, you got to go out there and you got to get XP. So XP is, uh, experience, but it's also exposure. And that's, that's, what's really required to be able to adapt your body. You know, you can't just go out there and do one boss fight, like one session of attempting handstands. It's about going through and you got to kill all those little monsters first, which is, you know, your, your, your daily practice. That's your, your yoga, your plank, your crawling on all fours. It's the stuff that's uh, small enough to where there's no danger there, but that you can accumulate all of that exposure, all of that experience. And so, I try to get people to look for all the opportunities to find XP throughout their day. So that way they're accumulating a lot more than they could have, even if they set aside a whole hour to work on it. I love that branding. It's beautiful. It ties in so beautifully, my man. Great job. Um, you were talking about yoga a little bit. Do you do, you do yoga? Uh, yeah. So I actually just got uh, certified as a yoga coach not too long ago. It was earlier this year. Um, but I've been practicing yoga for, uh, for several years now, and I mostly focus on the physical components of it. So the asanas, which are the poses themselves, um, and then moving through those, but I, uh, it's actually a much bigger, uh, topic than just the, the physical components. But totally. I think that 
what I love about yoga is that um, it's already an established thing. So it's, it's, it's got a vocabulary. So if I wanted to say to somebody, you know, I want you to, you know, extend your hip. I want you to, um, I want you to externally rotate the other hip. You know, you can, I can just say, go into a pigeon. I'm going to get those stretches there. So there's already a, a vocabulary, which when you're trying to gamify something, you already want to have some structures in place. So that way you can talk to people. Like, I don't want to be creating the game every single time. And so yoga gives me uh, a way to express certain concepts and philosophies to people uh, without having to generate it on the spot myself and also say it in a way that might resonate with them because it's something that they've heard before. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And also the other thing I like about yoga is that um, one of the ways that I was training when I first started off was like, and I think a lot of people make this mistake is just doing localized stretching. So I'm going to do squats today. So I'm going to stretch my calves. I'm going to stretch my low back. I'm going to stretch uh, my glutes because these are the associated muscles and joints. Um, but whenever I do that, I would generally have less success than if I were to just go through and do general mobilization because all of your muscles are connected to another one. Like no, no muscle is an island by itself. And so whenever I'd go through and do general mobilization, just like to stretch a little bit of everything and go really light, I noticed I was having like way more success uh, in my actual training sessions and my body was feeling a lot better afterwards. So yoga gives me an avenue to force myself to do this general mobilization, even though it's not feeding my obsessive need to work towards this very hyper-specific thing. Heck yeah. That's awesome that it gives you that. I, um, I used to go to a yoga class with my mom on Sundays because I, I don't like paying for stuff. I'm cheap. And so on Sundays it was free. It, everybody like donated a little bit. And so my mom just donated a couple bucks, but, uh, one, one time, do you have a significant other? I do. Okay. So you might get this then. Uh, I feel as though with my girlfriend, everything is funnier. Like I just have more fun with her and I laugh at things harder. So we were in this yoga class and they were doing like chants. You know what I mean? They were like, shum, gum, rum, hum. And yeah. I don't know. My girlfriend had never been to a yoga class. So I look over at her and she's giving me this like half grin, like she's about to bust out laughing. And then that made me bust out laughing so me and her are laughing in this quiet yoga class and my mom was like staring at us like she was pissed she was so mad and she told me she didn't want me to go with her anymore my mom did oh so, so i stopped going to yoga because i think i embarrassed her but See, back to that that mentality about being an adult and this this need to not look stupid but yeah. i bet you that if it was a group of kids that were all learning, you know, some, some yoga chants and, uh, you know, learning some, just some yoga in general, they're going to be goofing off and having a good time. Totally. And I bet you the retention would be higher in that class because totally. thing is funny when something is engaging, when something's entertaining, you're more likely to remember it. I mean, you just remembered it to the point where you just told me that story, right? Yeah. Now you're the likelihood that you tell me your story about a yoga class that you go to if it was literally just real run of the mill and uh -huh. look not as likely right so that sticks out in your brain totally. and i think a lot of times people need to like kind of let go of that i have uh, a good friend of mine stacy and she's my yoga instructor and she is a huge goofball and she's all cracking jokes in the middle of her classes she, she'll be doing something like a chant and then just start laughing about it you know make some inappropriate joke or you know some childish joke or something and uh -huh. 
makes the whole room a lot more comfortable. And we all end up having this experience that we can take away this story we can tell later. And when we tell that story, we're also reviewing all of the components that she was trying to teach us. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that, you know, just jump back in there, get back in there and, and you know, have a laugh or two if you need to, but. Heck yeah. No, I, I probably should. I need to, I need to work on my stretches. Definitely. <laughs> I need to stretch more. I think everybody could have you, uh, do are you a David Goggins fan? Do you know who he is? Uh, not not really. Like I mean, not that I um am against David Goggins. I just yeah. don't really like his work. He's a, um, he's a yeah. I I think that he's extreme, is what I would consider him. But he talks about stretching a lot and how he was like having all these problems. Then he started stretching for about an hour, and mm-hmm. that so many of his problems went away. And so yeah. I believe stretching is important. I think stretching is important too. Um, but again, I think it comes back to consistency is most important. So he started to do something for an hour. Right. Um, and so every day he got to try a little bit, uh, or he got to try it again. He got a little bit more exposure to it and he got to apply some of the insights that he had from the, from the previous, uh, previous day of training. Uh So, that could have been stretching for him. It could have been all fours, like my training has been. But basically, when you repeat something over and over, you get to apply those insights over and over. So they have this compounding effect. Um, so I won't say that all movements are created equal, but I think that overall, the most element is consistency. And so you'll see that with stretching, you'll see that with movement. But when you do something every day, you get better at it. It's, it's just an inevitability, especially if you're applying presence and you're staying focused while you're doing it. And when you're stretching, you don't have a lot of other things to focus on. Like a lot of times the movement is taken out of it, or at least a lot of it is. And so you're forced to kind of sit with yourself and, and to make adjustments. And I think that that's something that we don't get a lot of in our daily lives is long periods of time where you don't have anything else to do besides focus on what you're doing. Um, we're so bombarded with all these distractions throughout the day that the idea of being able to sit down and do something for an hour, that is a novel concept. And I think that if you did it with almost anything, you're going to start to see some pretty, uh, pretty unreal results. Heck yeah. I, I think consistently cons- uh, consistency is so important. And I preach like taking action, being consistent, being disciplined, how do you think that uh, you would convince people to stay consistent? Because a lot of people wouldn't. They would stop if they were doing this uh, walking on all fours. They may do it for a week, and then they may just slowly give up because they aren't seeing the results that you have on day 89. Mm-hmm. I think that the most important thing with staying consistent is making it super easy for yourself. So um, Daniel Kahneman uh, wrote this book uh, called Thinking Fast and Slow. And it's, it's a really great book. It basically, it takes the way the brain works and breaks it into these two fictional narratives. Um, and one of, the, one of the things that he says a lot throughout the book is that human beings are lazy by nature. And it's, I try to talk, break that to all of my clients when I first start talking to them in the most gentle way I can, because it's not an insult or a criticism. Um, because it applies to everybody across the board, but by nature, we, we tend to be lazy. Um, and we do that as sort of a survival thing so that we've not, um, we're not constantly driven to do everything all the time that would, that would get out of hand. And so whenever, uh, you tell yourself like, Hey, I'm going to go through, I'm going to walk on all fours every day, or I'm going to stretch every day, or I'm going to eat right every day. I'm going to track my calories. 
I'm going to study. I'm going to read a little bit. And you, you tell yourself you're going to do that. You're relying on your discipline. And then, you know, at a certain point, something's going to come up and it's going to challenge that discipline. And if you are all just getting started on something, you haven't worked at this thing long enough to, to, to develop that. And so um, you need to make it so easy that it's almost impossible to fail. And when you do that, then on those days where things are difficult, where something gets in the way, you don't have to rely on your discipline. It's right there in front of you. It's, it's just, you're just going through the motions at that point. And you need to be able to do that on the days where things get a little bit more challenging or things get a little bit chaotic, because um, those are the days where you end up falling off. And then it's so much easier the next day to just not do it. Because again, we're, we are pattern animals. And so uh, it's easy to keep doing something while it's, while it's simple, um, but, and you've been doing it for a while, but you stop doing it and it gets just as easy to, to avoid doing it or just to, to skip that that day. Um, and the more days you put between doing it and not doing it, the, the easier it's gonna be to skip. So you just have to like put it right in front of your face every single day, but not just right in your path. You also have to facilitate the process to make it as simple and easy as possible. Um, so if you want to be consistent, this is, this is the hardest thing for a lot of people. It sounds so crazy that this would be the most difficult thing, but, um, but to just, just simplify, 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 and just make it and regress and make it so easy that it almost seems remedial, like it won't benefit you. And I promise that if you start there, you'll end up having more success in the long run than if you start, you know, halfway down the road and just try to force yourself to do it. So that way you can have a head start. Heck yeah. Make it easy. Put it in front of your face. I love that. So before I told you, I'd only keep you for an hour. So I'll ask you one more question. I ask all guests um, for one piece of advice to anybody. It can be about anything. Uh, one piece of advice is to, to keep, keep restarting. That, that is the, that is the true sign of resilience is if you can just restart totally reset. So that's, we get this idea in our head that, you know, I've worked up to this. This is who I am now. It's totally wrapped up in my identity. I'm crawling on all fours guy. I'm handstand guy, right? I'm not though. I'm Nathaniel. I'm a human being. I'm not this caricature that I, you know, uh, sometimes come off as, and we, we all, we all create this caricature of ourselves um, not just to other people, but to ourselves. We, we, we come up with this idea of what we're capable of and who we are, and we tie those things together. Um, so the best thing that you can do to make sure that you're making strides forward and that you're not, um, that you're not you know, locked into this little box of what you can do right now is to let go of that and start back at the beginning. Because every time you start back at the beginning, you get a fresh start to do it all over again. And if you do it right, you can start all over again with all the insights that you gained from that first attempt, that first failure, or maybe you had a lot of successes in it, but then you just had a little failure at the end. And we had a hiccup that made us reset. Instead of starting from where you left off, start over again. And it's just like when you're playing a video game, right? Like, have you ever beaten a game and then they've got gameplay plus and you, you can play through the game again, you know, you play God of War and then you go back and you start the game all over again. And now you've got all the bonuses and stuff like that. That's how I think about it each time. It's like, oh, I'm restarting handstands. Sure, I'm starting back at planks or I'm starting back at just stretching my wrists, but I'm going into it with all the knowledge of what worked and what didn't work the first time I did it. So I, I'm going into it with this huge advantage. So let go of what you 
think you're capable of. And instead, just start over as often as you need to allow yourself to start from the very beginning and just know that you're not really starting from the beginning because you have all of this insight that you didn't have before. And that's that's in its own way, uh, a huge head start, maybe even further ahead than when you had uh, that setback that caused you to have to reset in the first place. So yeah, reset often and, and be okay with it and be comfortable with it and look as look at it as an opportunity um, instead of uh, instead of like a, a failure. Heck yeah. Don't be afraid to start over. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, Nathaniel, I'll end the recording. Folks, thanks for tuning in. We will catch you next time.